What up, what up? Welcome to episode two of the Rad to Riches podcast. On this episode, we bring y'all some gems from the main man, Terrence Coach TK Kennel, coming to us live from, um, you know, he's the wayfinder. He's a he's a worldwide phenomenon coming live from Japan and England, training some of the pros and just blessing the mic with some of his knowledge. Today, though, he's with the Astros organization as a strength and conditioning coach. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, do not come at us with any disrespect about our hometown Astros because because we really with it. But for real, though, hope you enjoy the podcast and let us know what you think. Peace. So you start recording whenever. Whenever. Okay. We're, we're, we're live. I see the red light. That must <laughs> Yeah, bro. Hey, what's up? Yo, official like a whistle, man. I should wear my <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome, TK, Terrence Kendall. Um, welcome to the Rad to Riches podcast. You are the first guest we have on, so you should feel special. Okay, you should. You have to get the worst one out the way first. So that's a practice run, and then you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a walkthrough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, nah, man. So just, um, I know where you are now. You know, you're working with the Astros organization. You're doing the strength and conditioning there and the rehab and stuff. But walk us through a little bit. Like, what is young TK? What, what was that like? Like, I'm talking about way back machine, like over there in the Dallas area, TK. Oh, okay. So I like, my uh, kid, kid. Yeah, yeah, young, young uh, kid. How we end up here, man? Huh? Just how we end up here, you know? Like, how we get here? Uh, let's see. Let's see where we go. Well, I was born in Alaska. Born into like a military family. Um, moved around every eighteen months and two years or so. Like most of my life, I was in a couple different countries, a bunch of bunch of different states. Um. Skip for a bunch of years, like eventually, like when I went to college, stuff like that. TJ and I met Mississippi College, the infamous. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you then, got out of there first. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I had to. Um, oh, the worst place on earth. <laughs> uh, they went to Arkansas State, uh, played rugby there, started studying and be like transitioning coach. Um, yeah, so finished, did, ended up doing four years there. But in between my junior and senior year, summer, I went to the internship in Japan. I was getting Kieran and Flat, who's a rugby strength coach on Instagram, like social media and stuff. I was there in Tokyo for like three and a half months or so. Came back. Bro, how was that, man? Oh, I loved it. I loved, I loved Tokyo. For me, like, I always tell people the transition, or like the culture shock of it wasn't as big for me because I lived in Korea for like three years as a kid. So, so I'm, I was used to being like the person who stands out amongst oh, crowds of people. Crazy. You walking around and it's like, <laughs> who's that? Yeah, yeah. Like I've been like I lived in Korea and I've been in Korea and been in China. Uh, yeah, way way before I've been been to like Japan. So like I was in China, I was in Beijing 2006, like before the Olympics. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, oh wow. So you you were uh, doing an inter? I think he froze on. That's a good picture. 
Did he? Is he frozen on you? Okay, there we go. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it froze perfect though. You had like a good smile. <laughs> it froze perfect. <laughs> but um, so you were over there doing an internship with uh, the rugby screen coach and training some of the pros there, or? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was with my pro rugby team there. So in Japan, it's like their top like professional rugby league is called like Top League, Japanese Top League. Now, now I was over there coaching. We had a couple guys from like from New Zealand, players from Australia, from South Africa, stuff like that. It's just like it's pretty common in Japan. Guys would take because when they have their season, a lot of other countries when it's their like, off season, as so the players go over there, make like literally double, triple the money they make in like their home country, and it's a wait. And the season's not long either. It's like twenty weeks, something like that. Oh, it's not like a long season, yeah. And then after that, we're back to Arkansas State, finished my undergrad. I knew I wanted to do my master's overseas somewhere. I was torn between Australia or the UK. I think Kieran and I have a lot, a lot of conversations. He's basically like a mentor, a mentor like for me. I've like, become like a really good friend. Um, I decided to go to do my master's in London at St. Mary's University in like Twickenham, so like Southwest London. I was there for like two and a bit years. Uh, traveled a bit, learned a lot. Coach is working in semi-pro rugby and professional rugby. Uh, Trains some MMA yeah, fighters, yeah, trained some boxers, stuff like that. A lot Tennis of team players. biscuits. Huh? A lot yeah. of team biscuits. <laughs> oh, I, like, I, lo- I love tea. I love hot tea. But we live in Asian countries. Like, as a kid, like, like a green tea is like, that's that's the best way to start a day for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, yeah. Was it the same tea that they drink in the UK? Is it? Like, no, I drink uh, dark, dark tea. It's like English, English breakfast tea. Like it's mad dark. Oh, the stuff they have no, in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's stronger. Like, I can't drink it. Yeah, yeah. But did you did you like your time there? Oh, like, I like I loved London. Like I go back. I went back this past off season. Um, that's probably that's my favorite place I've probably ever lived at. Like, like in my life, but it's saying a lot for me. Like, I've been all over the place, but like I don't feel like I would live. I live in London tomorrow. <laughs> uh, oh man hey my, my accent pretty good man my one <laughs> hello mate <laughs> but come on man i'll blend right in probably like idris elba man stop playing with me <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were training some pro boxers there yes yeah, a pro boxer two mma fighters and then a tennis player and then i have now still working on rugby and stuff like that too Wow, wow, man! So like boxing has a rich, rich history out there in uh, the UK, man. How big yeah. is rugby out there? Rugby's still really big. Uh, soccer, number one sport, like yeah. in the UK, like by by a mile. Nothing's really even really close. Yeah. Okay, so you you did your time over there in London, went to school and all that, trained some more pros. Like, how did you? What is your networking secret, bro? Because it seems like, you know, like, drop, uh, for me, no. drop you off in the jungle, you come out with a fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it comes to networking, I think, I think, I think one thing is that when you're in school, I mean, like college and stuff, like, a lot of those, a lot of those people who are like lecturing and everything, like the professors, like, they're so removed from, like, the actual, like, workplace and getting a job in their field. Like what like they're teaching you, what like they learn. Like I never had a business card in my life. Like, like you got to be a walk. You're a walking business card, kind of way I see it. Like, so and also because thing asses like social media, like Instagram, Twitter. Those are two big ones. Don't message anybody on LinkedIn. Like, 
Then nobody want to. Then nobody want LinkedIn message. At least not. Like, I used to SNC. I can't speak for other fields. So like, nobody want to LinkedIn. It's a strange condition. Like, don't drop nobody on LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> the most time I assume is a spam message anyway. Like, I'm still reading as I respect it, but I did that too. Like, I also see there's people who I follow and like them, like like their work. Like, it'd be Twitter, Instagram. Like, you know, I may comment a few times on posts and I really like it. But eventually, like, you treat you treat it like you're trying to holler at chips. Like, yeah, I slide in DMs eventually. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, what's the worst, worst I can say was no or don't respond. All right, then you move on. Like, oh, you keep swiping. You keep swiping. <laughs> yeah, like, like, it's no, like, you didn't take a loss. Like, oh, that's on them. And, oh. then, and then and then when they reach out to you in five, ten, five, ten years, you'd be like, oh, didn't you message me that, that message that one time? You didn't get back to me? Oh, <laughs> like a girl you try to slide in the tears with. I'm up now. Don't be trying to holler right now. <laughs> Like, which I mean, that, that's that's you find you find most people, most people like listen strength condition anyway. Like they get back to you. Like those, they may be busy, but like, they'll shoot your message back. Uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of emailing people, just because. At least in, in our field, just because in that in that sense, because everyone gets so many emails like a day, it's easy to get lost in an email. But like, hmm, it's some like slides and like DMs on like an Instagram or a Twitter page. You might get get a response faster. Yeah, because they're on it all the time. They're on it all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's hella smart. So you transitioned from the UK and you got your uh, master's degree over there. You trained some dope people. Mm. What 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 happened between there and, and now? Um so I ended up getting a job with the Astros because the person who was so England Sevens like national team, first transition coach is who my boss is now. So my current boss at the time in London, and boss I had in Japan, had both worked under him. And I had met him, his name is Dan Howes. I'd met him twice, I think, while I was in England. Like, that was it. We had no other communication besides that. We had basically like mutual friends, you know, like mutual contacts. And so uh, they had a position to open up here at the Astros. I was in AA down in Corpus Christi in South Texas. Um, my, visa, my visa had just come up. Well, I was like coming to an end. In uh, England, I couldn't find anybody. I wanted to stay in England, but I couldn't find anybody to sponsor my visa at the time. Uh, I found out about the position, applied for it along with like 115 other people, and just kind of worked my way through the process. It was like a month, like a month long process, like a different task every week. I was working for a job, like knowing like zero baseball experience. I didn't, I didn't even try to like finesse it on my like resume and say like, oh, I played baseball until high school. Nah, I'll play this until I'm like 11. They realize I suck at this. <laughs> I'm going to play other sports. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't watch, I didn't watch a single baseball game from basically 11 until I got this job. Wow. wow Don't get me wrong, when I got the job, I think I, I downloaded it. You know, you can go on YouTube and like like download uh, videos, like like a little MP4 like converter. I downloaded like three full baseball games I found on YouTube. Like I watched them all on a plane. Back to US. So I was like, I watched a baseball game since so I was like 10 years old. I wasn't really watching MLB either. I was, I was watching like my friends play middle league, like <laughs> playing baseball. <laughs> like, and so I was like, let me just figure out what this, what I'm walking into as like a sport. Mm. And spent 12 hours watching baseball games. So, so, like, whenever you were a tennis trainer or a tennis coach or a coaching for boxing, were you familiar with those sports as well? Or 
I know rugby, uh, Bob, rugby so you had a lot of experience there. But. Uh, boxing, boxing MMA, yeah, because I'm a big fan of both of those. Like, I watch them like pretty regularly, but you still you try to watch from a different perspective once you have to like work in that sport. So you don't you know to watch it as a spectator. You're watching for all the like intricacies of the sport, you're trying to understand the culture that comes with it, trying to understand the coaches and the people around it. Uh, in boxing, especially boxing in the UK, like he's gonna work on. And this guy was like, he's undefeated, still undefeated now. Um, but like, it was a bit up and coming. Was in like had a lot of media pressure and stuff like that. And so understanding all those other factors that come with it. And a tennis player, yeah, I, I watched a couple like Serena Williams matches. I watched like Roger Federer matches. Like I could, like, I couldn't name I could, at that time. I, I couldn't name you five professional tennis players on the men's side or the women's side. I can name you like two on each. Mm. Wow. Like, and so just being like, being a student or whatever, you know, you'd be a coach like in strength and conditioning, I think just being a student or whatever sport you're walking into. And then being open honest with the player, like I told baseball, like the players now, baseball much. I, was, I wasn't a baseball fan growing up. They all know that. They all know it's not my favorite sport. And they're like, in my free time, like I'm not about to watch a baseball game. Right. <laughs> like they respect you more for that though like I think, I think it's because I'm honest I don't pretend to know I don't pretend that I know more than I do like I ask questions like last year I learned a lot of singing and dug out of the games like asking guys questions so oh what happens in this scenario why I do that and guys we just come with that of like mm. naive or like just kind of they're just like yeah I just don't know like like people are always open to tell you and like they want to them it's their sport like they love it like that's why they're doing it now. It's like they have no, they love to teach it and tell somebody else about it and why, why what it means to them, stuff like that. Yeah. And from a coaching perspective, it's really just biomechanics, like just learning the movements of each sport and how, you know, uh, what, what you got to do to to get better at those spots. Like, a, you know, some sports are more sprint intensive, some sports are, you know, just knowing like the, yeah, you just learn, you know what the needs of the sport are, and then yeah. you just can pretty much work, work from there. And then you learn what the needs of the sport are, and then speak to the sport coaches, because they're going to be able to tell you the times they've been in the game, and then speaking to the players. Man, so, like, it seems like, you know, you've been able to not only play, you played at different levels, and you've also coached people at even higher levels. What do you see the difference between, like, you know, even with the Astros where you've got, you know, the majors and the the few minor teams, like what do you see? And is it just talent, the differentiator between the top guys and then the guys, you know, on the cusp of, you know, getting cut and all that? I'll say within, within baseball, I have to tread lightly. I don't, I don't say like, I don't know. I, I can honestly, I don't know enough yet to know what someone separates. Some of it's opportunity. Like, players like coming to organization like the Astros like we're still in that point of like peaking like we're still winning 100 games last year and so some of it's purely like we have guys who like when they get they get traded somewhere else like they go they go to the big league another team but they're just uh-huh. in the wrong like sometimes it's the wrong place wrong time sometimes it's a bit of just getting, like, getting a shot at that more of that wrong place wrong time some it's like a focus like a daily focus so when you watch like major league guys uh, like warm up and prep for like their day, like in spring training, there's a level of intent to like their day at the start. Like, they come in, like they know that you got to do. And like, you rarely see them truly deviate from that plan. 
Yeah. Like, come on, almost every day, almost kind of the same, which is saying a lot. Like in baseball, we have 162 games, uh, major leagues, 142 games in minor leagues. Like to be kind of switched on and focused for, you know, six, seven months. And like you're doing the same thing every day. Like regardless if you had a, if you had a flight from Toronto to Florida and you got in at 3 a.m., like you mean coming to ballpark in the afternoon, like they're still going to go through that same process that they would if they were at home. So some of that, that intense kind of big one. So kind of like the, the intention to really just stay disciplined to their routine. You yeah. see, you know, like as a, yeah, because you know, like especially in baseball, right? You got the guys like, uh, what's the dude in New York? Uh, Judge, Aaron Judge. Yeah, Judge. Who's a, I mean, I mean, he looks like he could play any sport he wants, right? And then he's <laughs> a monster. And then you got somebody like Altuve, right? Who's yeah. a smaller dude, smaller stature. And it's just like, there's just so many, you know, variations. You know, if, yeah. if, if I were to tell you, all right, prototype receiver in football or a small forward in basketball, you could generally guess what they look like. Yeah. But, you know, I don't see that so much in baseball. What do, what do you think? No, I'll, yeah, I would say there's definitely more variation. Uh, the only time where teams are pretty consistent, like most first basemen can be around the same height. Like you really you got like a short first baseman because it's have to be able to stretch and reach and catch the ball. Uh, hey, someone be doing the splits, man. Somebody yeah, got to be like, you got you know, to be, be, be ready to sell out. <laughs> you got to really put that groin on the line. <laughs> Bro, me, me on first, man, I'm like, oh, no, hey, that's too far, man. I ain't going to make that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up, man. So, like, what about in rugby? Like, sport, you're a little more, you know, you uh, play. With the rugby, I'll say the biggest difference. So, I didn't realize the difference till life's part of Japan. I had a coach and guys who were in, who were in the All Blacks. So, like, people don't know, because the All Blacks is the most winning team in, like, sports history. They win. I think it's like 93%, 94% of the games. Um, all from a small island, all from a small island country of New Zealand, which is like 3 million people. The rugby is their national sport. And the level of attention to detail and level of purpose in every day, we had three of those guys, three guys who had played in all blacks like on our team in Japan. Like they were like, I don't like the mantra of like, oh, first one's elite, first one in, last one leave. Like, I think that's just kind of, kind of bullshit. I don't know if I can cuss. Why do I cuss? Oh, you good. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> We're <laughs> radical. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, double chest. Um, it's not a matter of them, they're the first ones there, but it was a matter of like, they worked on individual skills all the time. So, like, they would set up scenarios just between the three of them, like kicking games, passing games, like, 20, 30 minutes before guys would show up like the practice. Because it was just like they just kind of lived and breathed, like trying to get better in development and like in their sport. And these are all guys who they all won a World Cup already. Mm. One of them already won like the national league, the national league in um, New Zealand. One of them he had already won it twice. Like he had been in Japan. He had left New Zealand to play in Japan four times. And like he had nothing left to prove. He could easily like rest it and be like, I'm chilling, like I got a World Cup medal. I got two League championships in the best country, the best rugby country in the world. Like I'm sure collecting big paychecks now. Even him every day, like was religious about his mobility, really good about his training and conditioning, was actual sport itself was like was serious all the time about it. And like played, had games, would you literally like your basic like stand and still pass and drill with people. Mm-hmm. Like some of the so basic that you that guys 
a lot of times you see guys kind of like blow by the wayside. They get older and better. Like, oh, I don't need to do that. But so it's like, I almost take the same framework of like in basketball, like in basketball, like, I mean, RIP, RIP, a great one, Kobe, but like, you, Kobe haven't stopped. He's never like, oh, I'm not, I don't got to shoot this week. Like, I've been shooting for shooting my whole life. Like, you would never see that in a sport like basketball. So I think in rugby, the thing that separates those super elite guys from like those semi pro and stuff like that is obviously opportunity is a big one, but then we're working on their craft, working on their skill all the time. I feel like they're craftsmen about their work. Mm. Okay, so you said something real interesting in terms of like that mantra of the first one in and the last one to leave. You get that in the corporate world, and you also get that like heavy in sports, and it's like. <laughs> like you know, that's the you know you you got the scene of the dude turns the gym lights on and he's he's dribbling and then he yeah. turns them off. He's the last one to leave to yeah. and everything. Yeah. Like, why do you feel that's bullshit? You already know we've had this conversation before. You already know, we, I don't know why you've done this, but um, so I just that that idea and the law of the idea of like mental toughness are two things I like deeply loathe because like. Length of time does not equal productivity. If mm. someone was at work for twelve hours and got like, <laughs> if someone that worked for twelve hours and got like two hours worth of work done, but someone who was at work for three hours but got four hours of work done, like who was more productive? Like length of time means length of time means nothing. Okay, well, like are you actually finishing? Yes. <laughs> like, I guess it's rampant in sports from the coaching side, player side. Like, and it's just it's just such BS. Like. People are like, oh, you know, the first one in, last one leave. It's like, I'm sorry, like I don't know why I did to yourself. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I, sh- I showed up at the time I was supposed to be here. Maybe a little bit early, so I could be early. Is how I was raised. I was like, yeah, I left when I was done. I don't know why you were here for so long. Like, maybe you need to look at how you're structuring your day. Like, maybe spending too much time like on your phone, like too much time doing other stuff. Like people, people love to wear. People love to wear a long day and be like a martyr for it. They love to wear that as a badge of honor. But I, like, oh, I was there for twelve hours today. I'm like, why? Bro? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you so? Yeah. Why are you so unproductive? Like, yeah. Like, why are you that? Are you productive for twelve hours straight? Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos are productive for twelve hours straight. So like, you messing up somewhere. You should be a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know what? That's real. That's real. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I haven't played sports since high school and even playing sports was just running. And so that wasn't really the mentality, but I didn't realize that that was a mentality in sports, like the first gen, last out kind of thing. I mean, it's obvious that it's like that in, in the corporate world, just trying to prove that, you know, yeah, time spent is equal to your value. So it's interesting to hear that that's like rampant in sports as well, because you would oh, yeah. think you know, just as long as you perform, like, you know, we were watching the last dance documentary and Dennis Rodman was like, they know they're going to get a hundred percent of me when I'm on the court. What I do outside is none of their business. And I thought, yeah, that's like, you know, translational to the office too. It's like, you know, when I'm here, I'm going to do my best work and I'm going to be focused, but you know, don't worry about what I'm doing past 5 PM or, you know, on the weekends or people who want to work 24 hours a day. At their job so I think that's yeah. uh, a good mentality I, I'm, I'm with that. The unfortunate part is though a lot of organizations in sports and in corporate they still they hold that to like a high regard though 
you know what I'm saying? Like they hold that, like, all right, you know, I, I need you to sweep up before you leave because you're the last one here. Like they, they yeah. put those employees or, um, well, in sports maybe a little different because if you're talented, if you are really that talented, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, like you said, Dennis Rodman was able to, I mean, I didn't watch the doc, the whole documentary, but just knowing you do Man, listen, bro, I was not finna watch commercials. Like, I was not finna. Oh, oh, so you watched commercials 10 years ago. Well, now it's good to watch commercials. <laughs> I'm spoiled. They had me messed up. I watched the first two episodes, and I was like, yo, y'all, man, this is like 30 minutes worth of actual time. 30 minutes worth of commercials. I can't believe we used to do this. <laughs> Well, record it and fast forward through those. You'll you'll get there. Gonna, it was gonna, worth it. Things gonna get released on Netflix. So yeah, I loved it. I mean, I saw his tweet. It was it was about it was like Dennis Rodman proved that and how big of a nuisance are at your job. As long as you do your job better than everybody else, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I was like, bro, Dennis hey, Rodman. Like, hey, bro, Dennis Rodman's getting like a hundred rebounds a game, bro. Like. <laughs> The crazy thing is that, like, so a lot of that mentality doesn't – you don't see it as much on players. I think mean, maybe, like, football probably exists because, like, militaristic and, like, like, that culture. But you see it more amongst coaches. Like, coaches, like, like coach leaves leaves early. Like, they're like, oh, like, oh, that guy's, like, he's a part-timer. Like, TK's out here – TK's out here leaving at 3 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, the players are done at noon. Like, I was done my work at one thirty. So I'm out. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm like I worked out. I'm gone. Like, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's bad. Like, it's it's and some of it. I think it helps if you have like I'm lucky. Well, like, damn, our, our boss is very much about like get your. We only get your work done. I don't care if you get your work done here. I don't care if you get your work done. Starbucks, whatever. Like as long as you get it done, I don't. I don't, I don't care. But like. Some, some other departments aren't aren't that way. Like they don't have like leaders in that in that way who think that same way. Yeah. But I, so I've definitely looked that way. I've always had bosses up to this point. Well, I'll tell you, the other than my very first internship at Arkansas State, I did not have a boss like that. But every other boss I had like after that was always like, "Yeah, man, get your work done. Like, I don't where you do that is not my business. As long as it's done." Yeah. So once point. once you have a boss like that, it's probably very hard to go back to anybody who doesn't think that way. Like, yeah. you know, could you could you go back to a, a nine to five? You know, after after having that flexibility, that would be very hard. Yeah, that and then, or, or like if I went to another team or something like that, and like I had a supervisor that was like, oh, I want all my transition coaches to be the first one here, last to leave. I'm like, man, I'm out. Like, I mean, no, first of all, like, I'm out, I'm out, out. Like, I want to go and pack my lock back up now. <laughs> like, like, y'all signed with the wrong person here. Like, I'm not that way. No, just be, picture it, just be like, hey, all right, I want my coaches to be the first ones in, the last ones to leave. Like, you get up to leave, he's like, oh, it's okay, it's your first day, you can leave early. He's like, no, I am gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> not coming back. What is it, what is it like the Arthur Giffen and walking in the door, walking back out? Like, that's me. <laughs> what? I mean, that's something that is put on a pedestal. And I think it comes from a time where our time spent 
was really in correlation like with our productivity in terms of like yeah. the beginning of the industrial revolu revolution yeah. we still have that dna in us in terms of thinking that's like you know oh no you're a machine if you if you're if you got more time you can put more doors on the cars and things like that but if you're doing things that most of us are doing nowadays or not a lot of us are doing nowadays it's a lot more like creative work and not necessarily you know the manual labor you know what i'm saying yeah and also to see is like we're not we're not getting like if you're gonna pay on salary it's like i'm not getting paid by the hour here like i'm getting paid to do my, my job regardless of how long it takes me so once my job's done then like we can move up by the wayside i mean there's always things like I think you got wrapped up for this idea of like this false idea about mental toughness and stuff and like oh like everyone's like oh I just being mentally tough so we're gonna make you super we're gonna make, make you super tired and like I'm like idiot, any idiot can make another idiot tired that's not mental toughness like here we go also 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 who like the rampant is that I had two two MMA fighters they both like oh yeah TK like, you played rugby like worked in rugby like, you still working rugby now I was like yeah. They're like, man, I, I can never do that. And I was like, you're kicked in the face, like, for a living. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, that's different. I know what I'm doing. There. And, like, in there, I don't know what I'm doing on rugby field. But that, like, which I already had kind of had this idea anyway, but it kind of lit that bubble even more. Like, yeah, like, toughness is, like, contextual. Like, you can ask, like, you can ask, you know, no one would say, like, John Jones, Tom Willie, some elite MMA fighters, like, not tough. But, Put them on, like jump, put them on jump at helicopter, jump at helicopter with an army ranger, and everyone be like, "What's wrong with him? Why are you so scared?" It's like, yeah, he's not prepared for that. But it's in that same breath, it's like, take army ranger, put my octagon with John Jones, say good luck. <laughs> like he's gonna be terrified because <laughs> like he's in, like he's he's out of his element. It was all contextual. I remember the movie Man on Fire. Uh, Denzel Washington says, "Uh, there's no such thing as tough. You either trained or you're untrained." And that's purely what it is. It's like it's, it's just context. Like there's no like oh like I'm like I'm mentally tough. It's like no, it's like you were just like that person just prepared. And like no one says anything about mental toughness to the team that wins. You know, on top of all oh, that, the team I lost, oh, they weren't tough enough. It's like, no, the other team was just more prepared than they were. You know, it's interesting that you it, it's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you feel that way. Hey, we hey, we doing big things over here, man. <laughs> Very interesting that you uh, feel that way, especially coming from the South, you know, where you play sports, the South. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I mean, two-a-days and, and things like that, that mental toughness aspect. And it's, you know, we've had that conversation about yeah. training on training. And I'm starting to turn the corner, but I still got that, like, like nah, <laughs> dogs, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. <laughs> they don't make no movies about being trained. They make movies about heart. <laughs> Rocky, what's that about? What's that about? Look at Rocky. Yeah, it's funny. We, had, we actually had a staff meeting today with this guy who trains a lot of people in tactical field. And someone asked him like another toughness question. And he said the same. He was like, people talk about toughness. He's like, it's not a thing. Like, he's just like, they're just prepared for what they got to do. Like it's, like, it's a job and they're prepared and they're prepared to do that job. Like, if you're unprepared, then it comes down to hope, will, and good luck at that point. But, like... <laughs> so, TJ, what is your stance on this? I don't I don't think I heard the original conversation on mental toughness. You said, are you not 
Are you not in agreement with that? Or first and foremost, I think uh, we're your audio is a little bit. Remember uh -oh. our first podcast? Hello, hello. <laughs> Still a little on again. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how much time we got left on the? Um, it gave me a notification that it removed the forty-minute limit, so it's unlimited for this one. <laughs> I could talk all. I can talk all day. So. Okay, so my stance on the mental toughness, I'll I'll run it back to whenever me and TK had a long Instagram exchange about it. It was just like. I, I couldn't fathom anything but like mental toughness. It took, you know, pull pull up by the bootstraps and you know, uh, if 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 you got to make a tackle, you're dragging your leg. I don't care if it's broken. Kike, do you remember that video that uh, Greg Jennings uh, video? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The video yeah. <laughs> he had a broken leg. <laughs> he said they broke his leg, and he's he's running a hundred yards. That's what I like. That's been driven into me from a, you know, from a youth, and I, I still think there's a place for that, right? I still think there's a place for like, you know, doing work regardless of how you feel, right? Like there's a there's a time to sprint and then there's a time to kind of pace yourself, but I think you know after you know knowing TK and his revelations, you know. <laughs> There's more to be said about just being prepared, like just just being being trained and being trained for whatever moment you're in, because uh, it's it it is contextual. But come on, man, you know Kobe put sixty up on his last game, man. Come on, that was hard, man. Like <laughs> that was hard. Don't care how many shots he shot, man. He has some in him. Man, that that day hurt me. Like, you know, like, you know, like, you know me from, like, college. Kobe Rod Kobe Rod till I die. Like, I was, I was crushed. I cried and everything. Like, a hard day for the boy. I couldn't, yeah, yeah, couldn't imagine. Like, you know, I grew up, it was either, you know, you know, either you're a LeBron fan or you're a Kobe fan. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. stand LeBron fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as you get older, you start to realize, okay, you can appreciate greatness. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be like a a fan. You don't have to be a hater. You can be a fan, but you don't have to be a hater. Yeah. And, uh, like I, I had a lot of that for Kobe. And um, yeah, when he died, that was that was tough because he was starting to, you know, Kobe on the court was dope, but Kobe off the court, like his yeah. business ventures and you know stuff he was doing with body armor and his animate his uh, film studio and yeah. like, he was really. I mean, that Mamba mentality, he was starting to put that towards business. And I think it was, he was going to change the game. He was going to, you know. He was, oh, Kobe was a reason why I was like big on uh, the mental toughness thing as well. Just hearing the stories about he get a workout in before practice. Oh, yeah. And then he'll practice. <laughs> and then he'll work out after practice. You know, that's, that's insane. And, yeah. You know, he was, or, you know, he, he'll lose a game and he'll do a hundred shots before he leaves the gym. Yeah. 
up and rub, like it's, there's a lot of NBA players. Like James Harden does that. There's a lot of NBA, there's a lot of guys in NBA that do that. So it's just wow. like just skill. Like you got constantly, you got constantly work on it. But you know what? There's a a lot of people who have that dream that don't put the work in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That, um, and you know they are. You know we we've, we've seen it in, in in high school, even in college. Like dudes who are just like gifted. They are they are God gifted with talent, height, whatever it is. Yeah. But they don't got that. Oh, discipline. Art. <laughs> <laughs> it's discipline. <laughs> it's discipline. They don't got the discipline. You know, you know. I don't know if you see much of this at the pro level, but one mm. thing that I I carry to this day is like I can tell even with my coworkers. You know, most people, a lot of people play sports, and mm. um, even my coworkers, I could tell whether or not they were coachable. You know, were they the, were they the kid that if coach says something, they start crying and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they throw a temper tantrum, and coach calls them mm. out on film study, and it's like. I feel like there's a lot less of that at the pro level, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, are you able to see that in people as well? Like, I don't know if I see it, but the pro level you get more of like, not necessarily as uncoachable, but you get more like you get the player who has always been good their whole life. And they get to, they get to that, that elite level, and now they're not the best one there, and they walk on the field, or they walk on the court. And like they, and that takes, a level of like maturity to be able to handle that and figure out how you're gonna to respond to it. But then but if guys have never experienced that before, then like maybe if they're like home life, whatever, like they have wrong people in the corner who always just lack of their phrase, like just kissing their ass all the time and never tell them to be introspective, that's when they start to struggle. Because like you had you've had it easy, like you're in, into your entire life and like from not just like a sport perspective, but even like a socioeconomic perspective, like your family life was, oh, it was good. Like y'all was very, you were very well off your whole life. Maybe you got good grades because you're a good athlete. You were, you were a star in school, whatever, whatever. And then now you're all those same things, but now you're also rich. And now you also have a lot of money. People want more. People even want you. But then you're not the best when you walk on, walk on the field now. Like you're average. Well, it's not even below average, like, if you're new. And I think that takes takes level of maturity to be able to be, able to be introspective and understand what you need to do to then change that. But it also takes a level of, like, discipline and focus to be like, okay, I don't well, I don't want to be average. Like, I need to figure out what to do to, to then get better. But not everyone hits that point. Like, you see, like, that happens all the time. I think it's probably more – I think baseball and basketball is probably more so. One, because of the money. And then baseball, because guys come straight out of high school, and like you've given an eighteen-year-old the best in his life. Yeah, you're an eighteen-year-old who's been who's the best, who's been the best his entire life, and he's never struggled. And now you've given him four million dollars, and you put him like at eighteen, nineteen years old amongst grown men who don't who don't know who he is or do know who he is. They don't give a fuck who he is. Like, <laughs> all right, so like, so that so now you're, and you're asking them to like basically throw him in the deep end and tell him to swim, like without giving my life jacket. And so I don't think we always do a good job in sports and like coaches and stuff. Whether if you have psychologists or coaches, um, or like mental, some call it mental skills, or whatever, but like to prepare young athletes for that transition. Cause people always see like, they always see the people who are good right away. They see trying to get someone like basketball that's 
label, like they see like the like the Jama, like the Jama Rant, or like the Zion, 19 years old, Cookie Nature, um, trying to be someone who was dominant like out of his rookie year in uh, NBA. Like the Kevin, like the Kevin Durant. People always yeah. see the Kevin Durant. So like when he in college, like in college, that's big. Those, those are pick up games for him. Like, <laughs> like, and he got the NBA and nothing really changed. But like not everyone's that way. Lots of people fall through the cracks because I think we fail on this coach side to recognize that someone needs a bit more time to mature. And that time in college, that's why that time in college can be important, not from like a skill development point of view, because a lot of times those guys aren't going to get better from a skill point of view in college, but they, it's the ability for them to mature potentially because they're kind of on their own. And maybe for some of them, maybe the first time they're on their own. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I you, you brought up a point with, with the onus may be on the coach and even, you know, in the corporate world from a managerial perspective, um, there may also be like other factors in terms of the reason why they don't give their employees or in your case, the players that time, you know, coaches on the hot seat all yeah. the time. They don't have time really to, to wait <laughs> to yeah. let somebody, you know, develop. And it's like, bro, I might get fired tomorrow. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not basketball is definitely a hot seat factor for sure. More so, but in baseball, because you have that mile lead system, yeah. you have you have the luxury to be able to take your time. The players are a bit longer. You don't need to realistically. You hope to not need them the year you draft them. Really, you want to keep them in that system for maybe three, two, three, four years before you put them at the major leagues. But not everyone gets that lucky. But also, there are some cases of like moving people too fast. But, like, you're looking at how they play, not looking at everything else that goes around into that. Like, you look at their interaction with their teammates. I'm looking at, like, their interaction with like, their family and stuff. And, like, you don't understand that, lack of a better phrase, like, you drafted a softer person, which is okay, but you need to give them time to mature and grow up until they're ready to play. Otherwise, like, it's a recipe for disaster. So, you, know, so you, might, you might throw them out there, you know, throw them out there in front of 30,000 people in the first game. I throw like a picture or something. They're like, "Hey, good luck." <laughs> like, and they may not be able to handle that kind of ridicule or or things like that. And that's and I think you said something dope. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, we all yeah. need to know where we need to, you know, maybe harden or or things like that. But it's like to have that kind of self awareness or even like being able to analyze that from a coach's perspective is is important. And it's dope that baseball has that minor league kind of feeder system. And I know yeah. overseas in Europe, they do that with basketball. And that's why yeah. I, I mean, we're seeing a lot of European players coming to the league and killing it. Well, they've been playing pro ball since they were 15. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, in the corporate world, I do wish – I know some companies are more patient with new hires than others, but I think they can use a little bit of that too, like a little bit of that, like, all right, listen, I understand you're paying a salary, you're, you're – but you invested in the potential of the employee. Like you, you saw yeah. something in that interview that made you want to give them a chance. You know, if you if you wanted to hire a CEO, then hire a CEO. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's not what and, you. And that corporate environment is a very, is a very like cutthroat. Which is what I say is very like cutthroat in that sense of like the person next to you is like, yeah, at the end of the day, like. It's between me or you, like it's gonna be me. I'll make sure of it, kind of thing. It's kind of like that. 
I would say the company by company depends on what their culture is, but there are a ton of companies where that is the case. It's there's a clear path and only the people that network well or perform highly, you know, don't complain. All those good things are probably the ones that will, will get shot up to the top. That stay, that stay early and leave late. Yeah, the ones, <laughs> the ones that are that are coming in early and staying late. Uh, but I do think it's, it varies by company, but there's plenty of that cutthroat competition in, in corporate America, I think. 100%, and especially by, like, department, right? If you look at, like, a sales, like, oh, yeah, on, it's commissions, you know. It's yeah. Commissions meaning, like, if they don't sell anything, they don't get paid, so... Yeah. I can imagine. And then, you know, like Sarah said, it varies by companies. I think a lot of kind of newer companies that are being started by not necessarily younger founders, but founders who maybe have just like a different view of how work's supposed to be. Yeah. And they're, they're starting to be more lenient to that. But there's a lot of cutthroatness. There's a lot of cutthroatness, I would say. I'll say like in a strength condition, I wouldn't say it's like, I wouldn't say it's like it's like cutthroat. It's like you are very cutthroat with each other. But I will say there's a lot of almost like flipping around. It's like a lot of undercutting. Like there are people, there are people who like, and like these are to me some of the worst kind of people who like do a bunch of work for free. Um, like of course we're training like athletes privately, or whatever. Like a bunch. Like oh, I'm doing it for free. Doing it for free. I'm like, doing it for clout. Like and that's stuff like that's like that's kind of disgusting behavior to me because you're undercutting. Everyone, like, every other coach in like your area, you're undercut, undercutting every other coach in the state, like in the country, because like you're giving some in some cases, like you're giving like millionaires or future millionaires like free work, like hours and hours of free work, and they now they're, they're now they're come to expect that. And that same, but like you, there's guys who, there's guys that have master's degrees who like taking unpaid internships. And it's like yo, it's like at some point you gotta have more respect for yourself. Like really, if you have if you have a bachelor's degree. Like if you got a bachelor's degree and you do you have no experience, then I think yeah, you should yeah, you probably have to go that free internship, like unpaid internship route. But if you have a bachelor's degree and you have like some experience, if it's longer than three months, like you should you have more space. You shouldn't do that shit for free. It's like you got you're giving a service, you're providing something. And like you take worth know your worth. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. It's so much strength conditioning that's so much of like this sacrifice mantra and like Oh no, we do it for we have passion. Also, like blah blah blah, like all oh, that bullshit. It's like, <laughs> it's like I always go with. I, I've said on, I've said on Twitter like hella times. I'm like, you know, passion never paid a bill. So like, I don't like. I have nothing. I have no people. Like, oh, you got to do because you care and you sacrifice and like high character and like we just want people who first first win, last one out and like passion. Like we want want people. Like, they want people to master degree and like. Tears of experience to be a free intern. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> and then people, like, people who apply for that are like, they make it so much worse. Like, you're making it harder for the person who's come after you. It's not a person because it's going to come after you. It's going to need a master's degree internship. Or they don't need a bachelor's degree just to get an internship. And it's like, you know, it's like, you shouldn't need those people. Like, you want people who are like, who are self starters, people who are like very, you know, like, are very self driven, like self motivated. But like, if they don't, they don't need a bachelor's degree to, do, to be those things. They don't need a master's degree to be those things. Like, they're unpaid work. So yeah. I think there's so much that essence of, like, people just undercutting each other. Like, oh, that person didn't do it for $100 an hour. Like, the private sector, I'm going to do it for 80 So, like, 
and I'm, I'm provide more and do it for less. Yeah, there's almost a, a sense of like, even, you know, no matter where you are, like if you are the $100 person, if your work is really, really good, you're not really worried about that $80 person. Because <laughs> you're like, you're like, you could go with him. Go ahead. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Please, uh, please, please go with him. But yeah, I see your point. Um, it's so much of like people uh, bashing, especially it's right, like strength conditioning coaches, like it's like Twitter sector is a, was a funny like community. You'll see like people who work in like team sport, like bashing people who work in private or people who work in team sport, bashing people who also work in team sport. I had like a side business of like maybe for something like all oh, these persons doing it for the money. Like we should do it for the money. It's like, you know, like people got, people got bills to pay. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, and then the organizations that y'all work for are billion dollars. Some of them are billion dollar organizations. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, and there is a, I, I, I bet if you had to guess where I lie on like the passion thing, you know, I, I'm kind of, a passion fan, I guess you could say. Is that wrong? Passion, like, I have passion in my job, but I'm not going to do it for free. I'm like, yo, like, I, don't, I don't work for free. Like, those days have passed me. Like, <laughs> he said slavery's over. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start working. The moment I start getting paid for my work is the moment I start working for free. <laughs> No, I feel that. I feel like know your worth. And yeah, you know, I almost find like there's very rare occasions where, like, for example, if I was, so like you said, someone with no experience and I was just graduating or I was trying to get my foot in the field, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would. Like, if I was a kid watching this, I was about to graduate college, trying to get on with the Astros, I would take that internship for free, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, if I had experience, probably, yeah, probably not. Yeah, just, at some point, somewhere you have to learn as a skill, at least in SNC, you have to learn to, like, to say no and realize, like, it's okay to just say no and, like, walk away. And I think, I think that's where, like, that's another area where, it's, like, an education system and, like, college and stuff, they kind of fail to do that. Like, they, it's very much just like, oh, say yes to everything. I'm the very first internship, internship I had, like, our director, maybe it's changed now, I don't know, but he, I always say, oh, as a coach, you got to say it's everything. I'm like, why? Some stuff's just not your job. And, like, it's like, sometimes you got other stuff you got to do. Like, if you say yes to that and you miss out on doing something you're supposed to do, no one cares if you said yes to that other thing. That wasn't your job. Your job was to have this project done. And, like, you didn't do that now part. Now look at you. <laughs> yeah. Like, like boo-boo the fool. Yeah. It's bad. Like, it's like, it, it, can be, it can be bad about stuff like that sometimes. There's so much. It's all, all that stems in, like, like college sector, like a lot of college sectors like that, a lot of strength conditioning because it's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot of hype, it's a lot of hype men, there's a lot of oh like like you know a lot of first man last man mentality like all those kinds of things like there's so so rampant and not many people holding themselves accountable as a professional and so yo this like this is your profession this is you wouldn't go to your doctor and ask them to do a consultation for free. Mm. Like you wouldn't go like, like try calling a lawyer, but oh, can I just like can I just talk to you for an hour. Lawyer gonna be like, yeah, 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 that'd be eighty dollars. Like, <laughs> like we talked or two hundred dollars or whatever. Like, can I just talk to you for an hour. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna try that. Like, like, I, like I do that. Like, I happily like I talk to SC coaches like 
don't expect any money or whatever, like all the time. Cause it's like, I just like doing it. Like people do that for me. So I do that for them. But in that same breath, like if someone, there's someone else, maybe not me or whatever, who it's like, Hey, like you want to talk to me for an hour. My time's worth this. Like this is what I charge for the hour. And so don't get offended by that. It's like, that's a, that's him. That's him. Yes. He was out to him. He's trying to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I think, yeah, people, people go for the free too much and they don't want to invest money into, you know, like getting better. And then they almost get offended if someone offered, like if someone has it, like, Hey, I thought you, I thought you eat for free. (laughs) It's like, yeah, so yeah, I got, I got student loans, fam. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, shoot, dog. Like time, time blows by. Was it like fifty-five minutes, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Man, really fun. I really appreciate you, you know, coming on. I read your blog. Okay, is that something you're gonna? Yeah, yeah. yeah, was, uh, yeah I, mean, I guess I think it was some artist. I think it's gonna be some of the like do consistently and regularly. Uh, I got a Canva account, so we're gonna like, try to make graphics and stuff like that too. Like. You know, I'll make moves. We'll tag your Instagram and stuff like that. But real interesting article. You met Prince's keyboarder, like his keyboard player. So right. Wow. I remember I was on a plane on a Southwest plane too on a flight. So hey, Southwest is like LinkedIn. Okay, if you want to network. Yeah, I ain't gonna plug Southwest. They ain't giving us no money. I ain't gonna plug. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was on a plane. I was on a flight to Austin, and uh, I had I struck up a conversation with the person next to me. It was like an empty plane, and she asked what I what I was doing. And I was going for an interview, and I was like, you know, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I work for. Um, What's the uh, Make a Wish Foundation? I was like, oh, that's crazy. That's awesome. And she's like, I was like, oh, what do you do that? She's like, I'm the CEO. I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, okay. having to be on playing with the CEO of Make a Wish Foundation. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's wild. And you gotta say what's up. You gotta say what's up to people. You gotta network. And I think your story is a testament to to being able to network and. You know, chase your chase your passion, do the things that you want to do. But yeah. don't do it for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, say, I think uh real quick to piggyback off of like off of that story, like it's led to this book by Aaron Rand called The Fountainhead. And the book's like massive. It's like it's like that that took me like two and a half years to read it. You wrote, <laughs> wrote that book, uh Atlas Struggs, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's Atlas Struggs too. But like in uh, the Fountainhead, there was two. It was about two architects. One's like one did it for the art. So one's like he's a hundred. Like that was uh, like I get paid, I get paid, whatever. But like this is how I this is how I work. This is what I do. Like I'm gonna make the design. You're gonna be happy with it. I don't deviate from like my art. Cause you see, he saw as a true. Like, he saw him a true like artist, like standpoint. And there's the other architect. And both both of these architects are well renowned. Like the entire world is the best architects. The other architect was did it for the money for the notoriety he happily changed up his designs for the sake of like notoriety and people pleasing or whatever and basically the story is like more story essentially isn't 
that one's better than the other. It's just sometimes people have the same thing but go different routes. And so, so then, like, some people fall heavy on one side, some people are heavy on the other side. Some people kind of like bounce back and forth in the middle. Mm. Figure out who you, I think mean, figure out who you are like, early on, and you like in career, whatever that career is, and find out why you, it helps to find, maybe find out a bit like that why, like that kind of helps guide your path a bit. So like for me, like there's some things, there's some there's jobs with some teams that like I will never work for, regardless of how much money they offer me, because like some of their rules don't coincide with like who I am. Like I I'm not, I'm not gonna sell out for the sake of like a dollar. Like, I can I can make that money. Money's not going anywhere. I can make that money somewhere else. Bro, that's real. I think that was a dope. <laughs> I have to read that book. What's the name of the book? Uh, the Fountainhead. Fountainhead, bro. That, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful way to put it. Like, I think people love to label something as better than another thing. Yeah. It's like, no, not necessarily. You just got to know where you stand. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Know your strengths and weaknesses with having that, you know, principle in your life, and you know, move, move in a way that vibes with your essence, yeah. who you are. Hundred percent. I think knowing your strengths and weaknesses is like just so important. It's like. No, and no one real weaknesses. Like a weakness is not, I care too much. I work too hard. Like get out of here. That's not a weakness. <laughs> Yo, the, did y'all hear that? Did everybody hear that? That's not a weakness. <laughs> all right. Worst interview answers of all times. <laughs> I'm just too productive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to switch off. It's like get out of here. Like it's like it's like. It's like in, interview interviewers be hearing that you know. Hey, I'm just too productive, and they'd be like, "That's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's rampant. Like, it's, I, I say this all the time. Like, be like, like, find someone who's going to be very find a mentor that's going to be like honest with you and tell you what your weakness is. If you can't figure it out like on your own, like the best interview question I ever got was uh, was when I was going to Japan, and the question was on what would the person who hates you the most say about you. I was like, damn. <laughs> it was, but I'd like, I had to type it up. I was like, it took me a good, like, maybe an hour probably to think about it. And I still kind of, I still pretty much remember, like, what I said. Uh, the first thing I said, it was like, I'm like, they were 100% say, like, he's an asshole. Like, he can be an asshole. Like, he's way, he can be way too direct. Sometimes I'm thinking about how his words may affect the people. So I, I was like, so I typed that. I'm like, 100% will get that. Um, what was the other one? Oh, that he's he will happily work through you or around you to get the job done without ever apologizing. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I was like, I wrote it down. I typed both those up, and I was like, it hurts, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You would like to think that you're nicer than that, yeah. but you know, at times, yeah, bro. That's you know, that's oh, that's powerful. I've never heard that. Like, what would your worst enemy say about you? What would your worst enemy say about you, sir? What? <laughs> I think I'm gonna need time to think about that. I have to call some people, get to get some answers. Call a hey, call a couple exes. Like, hey, it's like, can you? I'm, I have a job interview. I need to know what you hate the most about me, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what? hard. Yeah, bro, that's bro. You hit us with back to back bars. I need like a bars. Uh, Sound. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add that on. <laughs> bars.
that's the one where um, where like fuck massive flex, and he's like, it's like no, it's, yeah, that's what we call bars. That would be amazing. You have a sound bite. <laughs> yeah, but hey, but really appreciate you coming on, dog. Uh, where you at? Where you at right now? You in Florida? Yeah, I'm in Florida, West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach, baby. Oh, Florida's crazy. They're opening everything up now, man. The the beaches. You go to the beach, right? Like, uh, so South Florida, so like West Palm Beach and, and like farther south, just open beaches up on Monday. But everyone else, like above that, has been open for like three weeks. People, people in Florida, people in Florida are savages. Like, <laughs> like, oh, that's why they open up beaches and they like oh twenty five percent capacity, like everywhere. Like the same, like I, I, I the same week. I was like, yeah, like y'all, y'all tripping. A barber, a barber texted me. A barber texted me on Tuesday. I was like, oh, I'll oh, just say no. Like, we open. I was like, man, I'm good. Like, I'm gonna wait a couple of weeks to make sure, <laughs> just in case. Make sure you get the Corona cuts out the way. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm straight for right now. Like, I can, I can maybe attempt to line myself up or something. Like, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was, he just texted back, man. I understand. <laughs> I understand, but I gotta get paid, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> he had to try. He had to try. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate the effort. I was happy he texted me. He was like, yeah, I get you in like first thing in the morning. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm wait. <laughs> I'm wait. I'm wait. I gotta wait two, three weeks. To make sure everybody. If everybody's all right, then I'll be in there. Week three or four, I'll be in there. Hundred <laughs> percent, bro. You, can, you can't be the first one. He'll be the first one to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. Make sure everybody good. <laughs> the first two waves of people, you know, like, yeah. you let them they, go out. They come back. They come, come back, back too. Not just go out. They gotta come back too. Like, like, you went to that. You went out like two ago, right? Yeah, man, you, I even coughing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I say nothing, but I'm just saying, man. You know? <laughs> I ain't saying nothing, but I'm saying. Yeah. Um, all right, my dog. Wait well, hey, again. Appreciate it, bro. We got to do this again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Might do a full weekend podcast, bro. Cause. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, next time we do this, we'll do it in West Palm. But we'll be over there. We'll come hey. see. You. After those first few waves come through, we'll yeah. <laughs> take a trip to Florida. It was like in like July. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait it out. Well, that sounds like a dream, actually. That sounds like a bet. <laughs> uh, I had a bottle of rum on deck, but we be good. Nice. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Rad to Riches podcast, episode one, with TK. It's your boy TJ. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, does it, does it you, Sarah? Yeah, it's pointing at me. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. Peace, y'all. Bye. I'm getting tired of feeling so low. Hard to keep my head straight, eyes glued to the flow. I stop speaking negative into the universe. What a wish. Hope to keep it all without losing.